Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Saturday. March Madness just tipped off last night, and oh my goodness, did we call anything right last night? Jeez, our algorithm really uh, did not fare too well. So, we're still going to be breaking down March Madness. What happened yesterday? We'll uh, kind of squeeze in what's going to happen today. Maybe get a moneymaker going. Uh, break down the NBA from last night. I am going to try and squeeze our MVP segment for the NBA into today's show. A lot going on with free agency and the NFL and March Madness and some basketball going on. I think we can fit it in today, though. Um, and then always breaking down what happened in the sports world in our Stories of the Day segment. But before we get into that, we got March Madness tipping off in literally 14 minutes, folks. It's back. Another full day. Noon. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock tonight, folks. So strap in for another full day of basketball because it's not gonna. there's not going to be that many more days of basketball on all day. So take advantage while you can. So... Let's head over to our bracket to see how it's going. We've got three participants here in our bracket challenge, and unfortunately, we're in last place here. Not great. So we scored six points with all of our picks yesterday. Uh, HGM scored seven, and Go Ruckers in the lead with 10 points. So let's see where we went wrong. All right, well, here we go. UNC letting us down. Thought they would beat Wisconsin. They get kind of blown out there. 17-point win for Wisconsin. Gosh darn, watch out for them. And Winthrop, Winthrop, oh my god, we were so high on them. We had them advancing all the way to the Sweet 16, but they can't even beat Villanova. You get beat by 10? Come on. thought the Golden Eagles were a little bit better than that. And then Liberty once again letting us down. Or no, Purdue letting us down. An upset that we did not call, unfortunately. Uh, so very well done to Liberty there. Beating Purdue. Alrighty, I mean, we we were totally off on the south bracket. I mean, we got one pick right. We got one pick right out of everybody that played yesterday in the south bracket. Not great. Um, Utah State letting us down. We called that upset, but Texas Tech holds on. Colgate, another one. We were big on Withrop. We were even bigger on Colgate, and I mean, they were doing good the entire kind of first half of the game, but then that last four, like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, they just they just bottomed out I mean they just went on a no scoring run they couldn't buy a basket and uh, they let us down but we had them going a little bit in the first half if that's the silver lining um but yeah they get absolutely blown out there um almost by 20 points so not great there um, alrighty, then uh, Virginia Tech loses it close. I mean, they went, they forced overtime, but couldn't get it done in overtime. How do you force overtime and not step up in overtime and then still lose? I mean, you really just prolong the game for no reason at that point. Um, and then who was the last one? I mean, holy moly. Ohio State losing to 15th seed Oregon State. What? What? Another upset. We unfortunately did a call. So we called two upsets here, the wrong ones. And uh, so... With that, we only get uh, Baylor. Baylor was our only correct pick in the South, so not great. Alrighty, then let's head over to the Midwest because those games also were on yesterday. 
Bingo, bango. We got this uh, second-round matchup perfectly right. We Obviously, Illinois was going to win. We all knew that. Uh, but then we called uh, Loyola Chicago over Georgia Tech, which was a good call. Loyola Chicago wins by uh, 11 points there. So, very well done to us. You know, a good second-round matchup that is still intact. Thank goodness. Um, alrighty, and then, um, alright, who else let us down? We got, uh, we picked Tennessee, but Oregon State really wins, and they really blew them out. I mean, for a 5-12 matchup, Oregon State just blew Tennessee out by 14 big old points there. Not great. Then we chose Liberty, and Liberty loses against OK State. Once again, not great there. Called the upset that does not go. Uh, we were big on San Diego State as well. We thought they would get all the way to the Sweet 16 against Houston, but Syracuse goes and pulls the upset, unfortunately. So another upset we did not predict. This algorithm that we had really took a beating in the first half, but we do still have the East and the South that we are, or the East and the West that we are feeling very good about to try to get our algorithm back on track here. Oof. All right, and then just to close out the Midwest side of the bracket, we got uh, we chose West Virginia. They win over, uh, who was that, Moorhead State? And then um, who else got it here? 7-10 matchup. Rutgers beats Clemson. Man, oh, man, another upset we didn't. Oh, we did call. Oh, we did pick Rutgers. Oh, I thought we picked Clemson. Yes, sir. All righty. So we did choose that correctly. And then, obviously, Houston beats Clemson State. I mean, Houston, we are big fans of this Houston team, and they were looking good. Put up 87 points, won by almost uh, 30 points. So very well done. So we picked um, a couple of right picks. Obviously, not that many, but we're ready to get back on track here today. So let's quickly see what the spreads are for today's action because like I said we are tipping off the 12-15 game the first game of the second day of the first round of the March Madness tournament is tipping off in less than nine minutes so here we go Alrighty, Georgetown in Colorado is the first game up in our bracket we have chosen Colorado to beat Georgetown now Colorado is five and a half point favorites, so we will stay away from that one. Not really any great value. We're looking for some great value with some upsets that we think are going to happen according to our algorithm, and then a lot of points along with those. So that's what we're really looking for, and we will we should be able to get some with these uh, USCB and Ohio picks because we do have those both of those upsets. So hopefully we can get some great value at those games. So we will stay away from Colorado and Georgetown. Then we get uh, UNC Greensboro versus Florida State. We have chosen Florida State, and they are minus 10, so we will stay away from that game as well. We are looking for the great value. We want the points here. We do not want to swallow any points in college basketball because, I mean, did you all just see what happened last night? Literally anything can happen. So uh, we will be a little bit more comfortable with all those points. Alrighty, Eastern Washington and Kansas now. We have chosen Kansas, and Kansas is minus once again, 10.5 points, so we will stay away from that one as well. Then we get to St. Bonaventure and LSU. Already a close spread there, only a two-point spread. We have chosen... We have chosen St. Bonaventure... And they are getting two points, so we will take that. We think they win clearly, and we get, you know, two little backup safety points just in case, you know, late three-point buzzer beater, you know, St. Bonaventure loses by one on a, you know, miraculous, you know, classic March Madness shot. So we will take the two points there for St. Bonaventure. All right, then we go to Texas Southern and Michigan. 
And obviously, we got uh, Michigan being clear favorites there. They're they're minus twenty five and a half, so we will stay away from that. Even though I do want to kind of point out that um, Illinois beat Drexel by almost thirty points, so you know their spread was about you know twenty to twenty five points as well because they are the one seed. And then Baylor beats uh, Hartford by uh, twenty four points. So the spread, you know, it is still justified. But once again, we're not going to swallow twenty five points in college basketball in a March Madness game. That's just no really great value there. Alrighty. Uh, all right. Next up is Creighton and UC Santa Barbara. I do think we chose Creighton on this one, and we. Oh no, no! What are we thinking? That's the, that's our upset. The twelve five. The UCSB. Yes, sir. And they get seven and a half points. Yes, yes, yes. We think they went out right. Barack Obama also agrees that UC Santa Barbara is going to win outright. We saw his bracket, and we get seven and a half points. We love that. We will absolutely swallow that up. Alrighty, let's keep going here. Iona and Alabama. I've seen a lot of people with this Alabama pick, and they're getting how many points? Oh, they're minus 16 and a half. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> that didn't sound right for a second. Alrighty, so Alabama. We do have Alabama winning, and we are not going to be swallowing 17 and a half points, 16 and a half points. No, thank you. Then we get to Drake and USC, and Drake was looking real good in that game. They went on some runs, so a little spotty, but they went on some runs in the late first half that really kind of tied the game, and then they went on runs late in the second half, and that won them the game. Now, if they didn't go on those runs, I mean, then they're going to get blown out. So they do have some lulls in their offensive kind of scoring potential out there. But let's see. We got to Drake versus USC. We have chosen USC. And Drake is getting six and a half points here. Not really comfortable with that. Like I said, with the scoring lulls that they had in the first round in the kind of playing tournament, a little skeptical on their scoring output just in general. So we will stay away from that game. All right, Grand Canyon in Iona or Iowa. We have chosen Iowa. And we will not be swallowing the 14 points for Iowa. Alrighty, a couple of games left here. Maryland and UConn. Alrighty, we have chosen. UConn. And they are plus three. Or no, minus three and a half. Okay, alright. So we will, once again, we'll stay away from that one. We are looking for the value. We want the points here. Alrighty, Ohio and Virginia. This is one that we have called. We have called the upset of number 13, Ohio, beating number four, Virginia. And Ohio is getting seven points. So seven and a half for UC Santa Barbara and plus seven for Ohio. Love that all day. Let's take that. Alright, then we get Missouri and Oklahoma. This is a pick em, so I think we might just take it, depending on whoever we get. I mean, that's, you know, what you want. You know, you want a pick em or the points. You don't want to swallow any extra points, and if you feel confident, if you filled them out in your bracket that, hey, I got this team, why not take the, uh, the pick em here? So, Missouri, Oklahoma. We have chosen Oklahoma, so let's ride with that as well. Oklahoma beating Missouri. Nice little four-teamer to go, or nice little four-teamer we got, and we still got four games to go here, so let's uh, close it out here. Nor Norfolk versus Gonzaga. I mean, everybody has Gonzaga winning this tournament, including us. I mean, they're just looking very good. They're undefeated. They're putting up a lot of points, and so we this 33-point this spread is a little justified, but once again, we're not going to be swallowing. 33 points here. Alrighty, UCLA and BYU. We have 
BYU winning, and we do like BYU a lot. We like them a lot. We got them going all the way into the Final Four. We had them beating Michigan in the East. So BYU is minus four points. Do we take that? We're feeling very big on them. And then we just saw Barack Obama disrespect us by not even having BYU get out of the first round. So we'll swallow the four here by BYU. All right, then we get Albine Christian in Texas, and that's another one that we love. We love the upset of Albine Christian ACU over Texas in the 14-3 matchup in the East. So once again, we will be taking Albine Christian plus 8.5 points here. And then the last game of the night, VCU in Oregon. We have chosen Oregon to win, and they are minus five, so we won't be taking that. So we got a nice little six-teamer here. Um, some good value you can find here, some easy ways to make some money. Um, take UC Santa Barbara straight up. That's uh, Those odds are plus 260, so that's very great there. And then if you take Ohio straight up, plus 255. So once again, some great value on some individual picks. If you get, <laughs> you get this six-teamer, put 100 bucks on it. We're looking at a big old payout of $4,800. Looking good out here. Now, our algorithm got torn to shreds in last night's game, but, I mean, we're not going to have two straight days of garbage algorithm picks, are we? Come on. It's got to turn around at some point. So let's bet this little six-teamer we got going on here. Feeling good. Got a lot of points with some teams that we think are going to win outright. And that's what we're looking for here in these first early rounds. Give us those points, folks. We want the points, and we got them here. Alrighty, so now that we've taken care of the business, uh, about to tip off in literally a minute after this commercial break, I'm assuming we are going to come back live to the tip off. So I do just want to quickly uh, finish off our coverage of March Madness very quickly by kind of comparing our brackets to what everybody else did in our kind of pool here. So let's shout out Go Ruckers, who is currently in first place. So let's see what he called. Um, unfortunately, he had Winthrop winning as well. So a little unfortunate there. But uh, he called the Texas Tech and Arkansas matchup uh, very greatly. So congratulations to him for not listening to us about Colgate. I mean, I mean, truly disappointing. I mean, they were winning and I was feeling good. And then the second half came and they really just blew it. So unfortunate there for Colgate. They had it for a little bit, little tiny bit. Um, all righty. Unfortunately, he did not call the Oregon State beating Ohio State. I don't think anybody called that. That was truly wild upset there. All right, and then in the Midwest, he chooses Georgia Tech over Loyola Chicago. Not really great there. He calls Oregon State versus uh, OK State. Very well done there. Nice little 12-5 matchup, Oregon State versus Tennessee that he called correctly. So shout out that. Um, he also had San Diego State beating Syracuse. Unfortunate there. And then he's got Houston and Rutgers, so very well done. So uh, 10 big old points is the first leader here in the 71% overall percentile for that man. Yes, sir. The man knows college basketball, men's college basketball more specifically. All right, and then let's uh, do HMF6, HGMF6 here. Only one point better than us. So let's see where he got that point from. He did. Oh, he took the Villanova over Winthrop. All right. Congratulations. You chose Villanova over Winthrop. All righty. <laughs> um, all righty. What else did he call here? Nice little Florida action there. Called the Florida win over Virginia Tech. Did not call the Oregon State over Ohio State. Uh, he chose Georgia Tech over Loyola Chicago. What are we doing out there? 
Um, alrighty, and then he chose, oh, he got San Diego State, I mean, Syracuse, really, I think he surprised, I, I think Syracuse surprised a lot of people, and that's kind of just on us for not believing in Jim Beheim. I mean, come on, he knows the tournament, he will get ready, it doesn't matter what seed he is, so, little oversight there from us, choosing San Diego State. Um, ooh, he chooses Clemson over Rutgers, oof, tough one there, and he's got Clemson beating Houston, oof, so no more points for that man in the Midwest, yikes. Alrighty. So that's where we're at currently in our tournament here. We just got uh, Georgetown, Colorado tipping off right now. Alrighty, so now that we've got our March Madness coverage out of the way for today, let's head over to our stories of the day. And the first one, Juju Smith-Schuster returning to the Steelers. And that's what, that was our first kind of initial thought. Like, we really didn't see Juju Smith-Schuster really leaving Pittsburgh. Really thought he was going to kind of be there his entire career. But he signs a one-year, $8 million deal to return one more season with Big Ben. Can they get the ring? And this is uh, this is kind of why I thought Juju Smith-Schuster would stay anyway because I thought Big Ben would play at least one more season because that's what he was saying basically, um, you know, after the season ended. He was like, all right, let's ride it again let's run it back so Juju Smith-Schuster one more year deal for them now now next season when they don't have Big Ben will he go possibly but it is interesting because this man did have offer offers from other teams. Kansas City gave him an $8 million with $3 more million in incentives to go to play for the Chiefs. And could you imagine Juju Smith-Schuster with Patrick Mahomes? Man, oh man. I mean, the, Patrick Mahomes is making 5'10". Tyreek Hill work and then a tight end at kind of a true receiver in Travis Kelsey. That's who he's working with. So you give him a kind of an A1, um, I won't say tier one, we'll call him A1 for right now, uh, wide receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, you're just giving him more dangerous weapons. So very kind of glad that he stayed with the Steelers because that means he doesn't go to the Chiefs. And then the Ravens gave him $9 million guaranteed with $4 million in incentive. So that would have been the best kind of deal overall, $13 million total, more guaranteed, more right now, and then more to kind of look up for. So um, really interesting that he didn't go to Baltimore. I mean, he could have been the one true deep threat wide receiver for that Ravens team to open up them vertically a little bit more. So he could have went to two really kind of championship level caliber teams, but he chooses to stay with the Steelers and Big Ben for one more year. We saw Big Ben's arm declining at the end of last season. Truly unfortunate. He's got all the weapons around him. I mean, they've got so many freaking talented wide receivers on that team. So, Juju Smith-Schuster, does he get lost in the mix this season? Does he break out this season? Is he playing for a contract? Does he still dance in the middle of the team's logo before the game actually starts? Um, so... All that is into question. We'll see what happens. But uh, Juju Smith-Schuster re-signing with the Steelers. Let's run it back. Let's give Big Ben one more chance at a ring before he retires. Let's see what they can do. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm just glad he's not with the Dolphins. I will say that. Um, I mean, this is definitely probably a year for him to kind of just rebuild his image to try and get better offers next season because, you know, like, you know, he's only on a one-year deal here in Pittsburgh. So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, just try to clean up that image. Stop dancing. Try not to be on TikTok too much during the NFL season and in the, like, game days. Let's try not to, Let's start with there. Game days. Don't go on TikTok on game days. And then we'll try to work our way up to a little bit less and less during the NFL season but take this year shore up rebuild your kind of outside image a little bit because it's not great unfortunately and try to get a bigger deal but I mean there at least there's potential suitors for him you know in 2022 after this season so he's all he does seem to have some backup options 
Alrighty, and I love this one. Yes, sir. Texans are signing Pro Bowl running back Philip Lindsay, and I really don't understand why Denver moved off of him. I thought the running back uh, by committee between Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon was absolutely fantastic, especially when you really don't have that kind of true franchise quarterback. You are going to have to kind of rely a little bit more on the running game because we've seen Drew Locke. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't get it done. Um, that's not an understatement, or an overstatement, or anything like that. He does not get the job done. He doesn't win the games, and he turns over the ball way too much. Um, and he doesn't score until the fourth quarter when the game's over. So those are all the knocks on uh, their guy that they got. So now they're going to have to be looking for a quarterback in the draft, maybe another running back, depending on what they're going to do with Melvin Gordon. But uh, really upset that the Broncos let this man go. But hey, one man's you know trash is another man's treasure, and this man is a true treasure here, a tough physical runner that you want on your team. And this man can run for the 1,000 yards. So um, he ends up signing with the Texans now, and the Texans have an absolutely stacked backfield now because they just got Mark Ingram, and now they got Philip Lindsay just in this free agent period, and they still have David Johnson, who's kind of now their premier back. So are the Texans, this is a little interesting that they're stacking their backfield. Are they going to try to run a little bit of an offense what the Ravens are doing a little bit with Lamar Jackson and all those running backs? I mean, the Texans just picked up, you know, a, th a third of that kind of of Ravens running back by committee that they've been working with in uh, Mark Ingram. So, interesting that we've got all this Deshaun Watson stuff going on. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, we know he's a dual-threat quarterback. He could possibly do some of the offense that Lamar Jackson's doing. And if you got these three great running backs right here, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, David Johnson's kind of your fast. Philip Lindsay's, you know, your beef of running back. And then Mark Ingram, he can do it all. We've seen that with the Saints. We've seen that with the Baltimore Ravens these last couple of seasons. So, really kind of shoring up their running game a little bit now does that mean that they're going to run a style of offense like the Ravens for the Texans or does that mean hey we're not going to have Deshaun Watson so let's kind of shore up our running game a little bit because we don't know what quarterback we're going to have so we're going to have to kind of run the ball a little bit more heavy and consistently throughout this entire season I don't know, man. I don't know because I think Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston because they are slandering him. They are slandering this man big. So let's go to this story really quickly. I got to skip a couple because we're on the topic, so let's go to it. And now Houston Police Twitter, remember all those allegations of the lawyer saying, oh, yeah, we've got six cases, and I don't need this. I don't need the, the fame or the money. I'm doing this because I truly believe these girls were blah, blah, blah. I mean, and now we get Houston Police Twitter, verified Twitter, quote, this was from yesterday at 6.47 p.m. This is what Houston Verified Police Twitter said. At this time, Houston Police Department is unaware of any contact between Houston Police Department and Houston attorney Tony Busby. That was the man. We're going to bring up the quote. I'm going to have to go find it really quickly, but I do want to bring up that quote again because they, now when we get all this information with that quote, it just seems this is nonsense story in that um, um, Deshaun Watson is truly being slandered here. So um, Houston PD is unaware of any contact between Houston PD and Houston attorney Tony Busby regarding the allegations contained in his recently filed lawsuit and no incident reports regarding these allegations have been filed in our jurisdiction. Now we go back to the quote. I'm sure I can find it very quickly here. Um, we go back to the quote of the Houston attorney. Tony Busby because the quote was just looking really kind of wild like this is nothing that an actual attorney an actual professional lawyer should be saying or whatever kind of think about saying so let me go back to it try to bring it up really quickly right here 
This was the quote from the actual attorney right now that, you know, Houston PD was, you know, kind of referencing in their tweet. Um, this was the quote of Tony Busby. Here it is. Their lawsuit of now six to be filed against Deshaun Watson alleging assault. This one, the most egregious to date. Again, this is where it gets a little wonky in this quote. Again, I won't share details here, but I have open courts. We have open courts in our Texas uh, Constitution, meaning all lawsuits are public record. Our staff have received numerous calls. We have screened each one, and I personally talk with and screen any individual on whose behalf I we file. I've been doing this a long time. This is where it gets crazy. It's right here. I don't need, quote, fame. And to be quite honest, and I say this as modestly as I can, if I never made another penny, I would be quite okay. What are we humble bragging about our, our financial status when we're talking about six women coming forward on sexual assaults? You shouldn't have to be like, hang on, I'm telling you this is real because I don't need money. What kind of lawyer says anything along the those lines if this is a real true case you're not saying oh i'm so rich and i'm just kind of doing this for the charity i mean these girls they came to me i don't need the credit i don't need the money i do y'all see how much money i have do you think i need more for this stupid case of these women coming forward against deshaun watson no i believe them because i'm so filthy rich why would i be doing this if, if it wasn't um for the information and not the money because i don't need the money although i am charging these people but i don't need the money I want I want the truth to get out so it was just kind of really wonky it didn't really kind of sit right with us when we were originally going over this quote and now that this Houston Police Department Twitter is kind of like we don't even know what this man's talking about this man is like literally insane so and it's just it's just wild because Who's gonna? Who's making these claims up? Somebody's got to be like orchestrating these fake claims. And when you look at you know Houston, um, the the Texas organization and Deshaun Watson. I mean Deshaun Watson wants to go. Houston wants to keep him. It, you know, is something nefarious going over there in the Houston's organization? Possibly, it's a possibility because you know Houston PD is like, yeah, we don't know what these people are talking about. These aren't real claims. The lawyers like, I'm so rich. The women, I don't even know what they're saying right now. But man, oh man, Deshaun Watson, he's not gonna be in Houston next season. The I'm, I, I think these are some fake allegations that are being spread about this man. And now this is just gonna push him over the edge a little bit. And this, if this ever gets kind of 100% confirmed, if that's what Houston was doing, trying to like put out some bad stories, some bad press to ruin Deshaun Watson you know, trade value or just value overall to keep them. Um, it's just wild. I mean, and this happens, folks. Don't don't kid yourself that this does not happen just in general in society. Like, let's be real, folks. So, man, oh, man, Texans running game is good, but they're not going to have Deshaun Watson next year to kind of, you know, do the, uh, the, the Ravens kind of offense with a nice dual-threat quarterback with some nice uh, running backs because they're all – all Texans are going to have is some nice running backs. So, Man, oh, man, I think they really beefed it with Deshaun Watson on this one, man. Darn. Alrighty, let's keep going here. Mitch Trubisky, yes, sir. We all know he's signing back up to the Bills, and this man got not that much money. Darn. I mean, he came off his rookie contract looking for that big deal, and that big deal never came. So hopefully he, got, he kind of started saving some of that rookie deal money because that's the most money he's ever going to get now. So unfortunate here, Mitch Trubisky, one-year contract with the Bills, 
it's a base of 2.5 million. He gets a $500,000 signing bonus and a $2 million salary. And then there's also $2 million in incentives um, up for grabs for Mitch Trubisky, which he probably won't get because I'm sure, you know, it's like um, some snap count numbers in there and they're never going to not play Josh Allen. So truly unfortunate for Mitch Trubisky. Um, he's going to be backup. I mean, he's still a solid, ba- solid backup. I'm not going to knock him that much. He's not a great starter and that's fine. And I've got no problem saying that and I can pull out any film y'all want me to see y'all want to see to back it up but um yeah Mitch Trubisky here gonna be backing up Josh Allen Josh Allen's been great um I'm assuming his kind of play is gonna be elevated even more because they just got Emmanuel Sanders so now he's got even two good wide receivers so I mean his potential should go up even more even though I think he's at a ceiling right now but uh I mean the just the jump he made from last season to this season I mean who knows what his actual ceiling is so Mitch Trubisky man you go from a starter to a backup back to the starter now you're on a new team definite backup he's he will not rival Josh Allen at all zero percent there's a zero percent chance that Mitch Trubisky is a starting quarterback just based on pure competition now if Josh Allen goes down obviously he's he's going to be the guy because he's the second best quarterback that they have on the roster but um still he's not going to get any playing time he should not even think about thinking about getting any playing time because uh, Josh Allen's actually real gosh darn good folks so ugh, Mr. Risky unfortunate what a the MVP folks the MVP is a backup could you do you want to live in a world where the MVP of the Nickelodeon Bowl is freaking uh a backup because that's not the world I want to live in uh, but I'm he's not starting my team I'll tell you <laughs> Mr. Risky will not be starting on my team Okay, D, here we go. Um, alrighty, little quote out threat. Um, little tweet out here by Bleacher Report. Do you still believe in Cam Newton? And then they got this tweet and another quote, or this quote and another quote by um, Cam Newton. And this is the one that you know I want to talk about a little bit more. Um, but since they brought up this other one, we'll probably talk about it as well. Uh, this one from Cam Newton. He posted a l- while ago. I think this was before he got signed, actually, to the Patriots. Uh, so it was Cam Newton working out with the trash cans, and then he goes, and he's like, um, Cam Newton explains why he's working out with trash cans. Quote of Cam Newton, keeping motivation close to you to remind you what not to be, and that's trash. I didn't like that at all, and I wasn't going to talk about it because, you know, do whatever you need to do to motivate yourself. You know, I don't really care, but then, you know, I, I saw it again, and it's attached to this other quote, so we'll talk about it, but I mean, you're, you're posting about trash on, I mean, you were kind of trash this season, Cam. I mean, you're trying to not be trash, working around trash cans because you're kind of blending in with this outfit with the trash cans a little bit. Um, he showed us nothing really great. He didn't elevate the play of the receivers around him. I mean, Bill Belichick in New England has a rich history of success these last kind of two decades, and Cam Newton kind of ruins a little bit. I mean, he definitely could have been a little bit more competitive. I mean, we're talking about an MVP. We're talking about a Super Bowl participant. You cannot be crashing this hard on a team with Bill Belichick and all that knowledge. So didn't really like this post of Cam Newton before he got signed. And then we get this quote, I refuse to let them slip or sleep on me in 2021. I mean, didn't you just say that about 2020? Hey, I'm back. I'm ready to prove I'm only playing for a million dollars because I want to prove myself. And then you didn't prove yourself. And now you're getting just another $1 million deal. I mean, you're like the lowest paid starting quarterback in the league. And, you know, you were trying to silence all your doubters last season talking. And now you're still talking. That's where I have a little bit of a problem. And like, you know, are you doing this, you know, for the clout on social media? or do you really want to get better he goes on this tour before he gets signed saying oh Bill Belichick's actually real good and he's just misunderstood kind of just you know 
praising Bill Belichick a lot, trying to make a story. And then, you know, it just it was just a little interesting that, you know, that quarter, Cam's quarterback camp, um, you know, the guy, Joseph Owens, kind of disrespects Cam Newton. And then Cam Newton is seen, you know, praising Bill Belichick. And then he gets signed. Just all that coming out together seemed like a little bit of a PR stunt to me just a little bit. Now we get all these quotes. Hey, don't sleep on me. I'm not trying to be trash, all this. It's just like, but then can you prove it a little bit? Because I've been the biggest kind of supporter of Cam Newton. We were going into last season praising Cam Newton. We wanted to see him get good, and we kind of believed in him. We kept giving him the benefit of the doubt and the second chances, but then he just never paid off, so we kind of fell off of him towards the end of the season. So now what's different this season? You got some sec- tier two tier two level tight ends and wide receivers that we know you can't elevate to tier one? Is that what we're talking about? So... Cam Newton, I would love to see you get good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock this man, but I mean, all these quotes and everything in the media, can we just play some football and can you just get a little bit better? I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see what, I mean, I'm rooting for the man. I would like to see this man have success again, but all this talk, it's like every single season, you're like, I, I refuse to let them slip or sleep on me. He's literally, you can literally put any date you want on here on this quote of Cam Newton. I refuse to let them slip or sleep on me in 2020 or 2019 or 2018 or 2017. I mean, he says this every offseason, but then he still doesn't perform up to his potential. So I don't know, man. I I don't think going into this season, in this offseason, I can be a true believer of Cam Newton. Uh, Let's just leave it at that. Alrighty, let's move on to a fresh start and a quarterback we can get pumped about. Yes, sir. Carson Wentz in the number two for the Colts. Yes, sir. Uh, what was his number? 17? 11 or 17? That's going to... Um Pittman Jr. here for the Colts, a nice wide receiver, a nice young emerging wide receiver. Definitely look out for that, man. Pittman Jr., wide receiver for the Colts. Um, So Carson Wentz looking real good here. Nice little uniform, nice little photo day. Looking real good in the blue and white. Number two here, look at that. Oh, yeah, that's a quarterback right there, folks. So, I mean, like we said yesterday on the show, I mean, this man, you know, he gave it all in Philadelphia. He's a true competitor. And the management, um, uh, who, who's there? Who's the owner? Um, Jim Ursay, he's feeling really good. He said this is, quote, a golden era of Colts football to come, folks. So Carson Wentz, he gets the support of the ownership, the management that wasn't coming from Philadelphia. We heard about the story of um, the Eagles head coach. Um, darn it. Who was the Eagles head coach? Whatever. Y'all know who it is. Uh, the Eagles head coach and Carson Wentz, they said they didn't even speak to each other for about a six to eight week stretch. I mean, the uh, the owner put a statue of Nick Foles in the front of the stadium. And I get it. He won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I get it. But still, to be told, hey, you're the guy and you're the starter. And, you know, you have to walk in every morning to your job and see that statue staring you in the face that took all your clout, that took what you did in the regular season and just kind of finished it. Um, you know, it's good because it is a team game and I understand it, but it's still, it does play on the psyche a little bit. And I think that was kind of the main problem of Carson Wentz. He was giving all to, he was giving his all to the city. The city wasn't really kind of repaying him back in the media or in just the organization alone. And now he's here in Indianapolis where they're ready to win. Now owner management is happy to see him here. I've seen Colts fan all about this man and I'm all about this man. I think this man can definitely play. He just can't stay healthy. That's the only red flag. So if he got all of his injuries out of the way, kind of his first couple of seasons and it's a lot of seasons or it's a lot of injuries in every season uh if you got that all the way that's the only thing that's going to hold him back here and this Colts team he's definitely better than Phillip Rivers and it's an upgrade over Phillip Rivers and what did the Colts do this season with Phillip Rivers they got to the uh 
they got the first round of the playoffs against the Bills, and they only lost by one possession with having the ball kind of last in a three-point game. Just Phillip Rivers couldn't get it done. Uh, so... They're they're ready to rock, folks. They're ready to rock. They got the quarterback. He's excited to be here. They're excited about him. I'm ready. I'm ready to see this man play right now. Truly. Okay, here we go. Little uh, NCAA statement. Remember, yesterday on the show we looked, <laughs> we looked at the uh, the women's <laughs> the women's workout equipment that they were working with in March Madness, and it was literally just. Uh, do I have it up? It's right here. <laughs> they literally only had this. The small the small weight rack. The two and a half to 17 to 20 pounds. It's literally this right here from Planet Fitness. We told you it's literally the rack in the very back corner of a Planet Fitness. Folks, this is not a joke. This is the back right corner of my Planet Fitness right here. It's the same workout equipment that the women's basketball team was using in the double NCAA March Madness. So they published a statement. So let's go through it because it is classic. Oh, we're sorry. How could you blame us though? So here we go. Um, NCAA statements on women's basketball tournament. This is the vice president of women's basketball. This is her quote. As a former women's basketball student athlete, it's always been my priority to make this event the best possible experience experience for everyone involved. We fell short this year in what we've been doing to prepare in the last 60 days for 64 teams to be here in San Antonio. You've had 60 days to prepare, and the best you came up with was is, is about... about um, a combined what like 50 pounds in weights that's that's what y'all did in 60 days and i love how they say oh but we had 60 days and 64 teams oh my god there was just so many teams but then it's here in san antonio so it's only one location it's all the teams coming to you you're in one centralized location so why are we bringing up the team aspect i get it's a lot of teams but um the men the men league didn't have any problems getting their freaking um their gym equipment, their exercise equipment, ready to rock. So why, why, why couldn't the women do the same? Y'all had sixty days. Don't put. Oh my God, there were sixty-four teams. Yes, the men's had sixty-four teams as well. So what are we doing here? Oh my goodness! Once again, just oh my God. Oh poor us. Yeah, we're sorry. We couldn't. We fell short this year. Y'all fell short last year in the WNBA for the for putting those women in a murder hostel. Oh my God, while everybody's at Disneyland, the women are freaking in the deep south in a murder hostel. Okay, and then uh, we get the senior vice president of basketball of NCAA here. His statement, we have in intentionally organized, we have intentionally organized basketball under one umbrella to ensure consistency and collaboration. When we fall short, when we fall short on these expectations, it's on me. Oh my God! Once again, okay, it's on me. Okay, that doesn't fix anything because we don't we don't see y'all changing. It's still the same, and every year it's like, oh, okay, we fell short this year, and then next year it's maybe a tad bit better, and then the next year it's oh, we fell short again. It's like, oh my goodness, can we uh, can we stop with the apologies? Can we stop with it because it does not change anything? 
Uh, so when we fall short of expectations, it's on me. I apologize to women's basketball student athletes, coaches, and women's basketball committee for dropping the ball on the weight room in San Antonio. Okay, congratulations. You, yes, we 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 are going to put it all on you. We are a thousand percent going to put it on you. You need to resign. You need to step down. I mean, we're talking about college athletes. the The amount of money your team or school brings in does not matter in college because it's literally in the rules that the men's and women's sports will be treated a hundred percent equal. Equally, does not matter the revenue. So we, I don't understand the big, and we're not talking about, oh, you know, this is a small disparity. Like we said, I mean, this isn't like, oh, the, the women got, you know, this little small, you know, kind of weight set, but the men's got maybe like a little bit of a bigger weight set. No, the disparity is wild on what they did. Folks, this is all the women had. And now we go to see what the men had. I don't think it's on this video. Darn it. Uh, but it's literally an entire room of benches and free weights everywhere. So it's just wild. I mean, we just get we just get talk. We just get talk and nothing ever changes. So that's what we're getting again. Just more wild talk. No, yeah. Oh, we fell short this year. Oh, it's on us. It's on me. It's on me. Oh, as, when I was a former student athlete, you know, this is unacceptable. And I fell short. Alrighty. Congratulations. Y'all fell short. Keep talking. Oh, my goodness. We're so sorry. Oh my goodness, it's on me. Oh my goodness. This can't happen again. It fell short. We fell short. Nonsense. Nonsense. Alrighty, let's move on. Here we go. Um, here we go. Top safety prospect Trayvon Morig showed out at the TCU Football Pro Day yesterday. And yes, he did. Truly impressive. This is one of the... Um, NFL draft prospects we have already looked at. I know we've taken a little bit of a pause in our, you know, NFL draft countdown looking at an NFL draft prospect every single day. I know we've uh, kind of taken a break since Mar March Madness has started, but um, we loved what we saw by this man, uh, Trevon Morig. Great safety. We love that he can go. He makes it. He's a surefire open field tackler. We love that he can attack the screen game very well to blow up screens. And the way that the NFL is going right now, screens are becoming more and more heavy. Not, you know, running back screens, but wide receiver screens. Those are getting more heavy, especially, you know, with these emerging offenses of the Chiefs and the um, the Texans and definitely the Ravens. I mean, that's all they're, they're about there. So. He can stop that. This is definitely somebody you want on your team. A great safety. And this is what he had. A 4-5-40. Yes, sir. Quick safety. A 33-inch vertical drop, jump in a 4.19 short shuffle. So I was uh, planning to play, play this tape as we were talking about him because <laughs> I don't really want to break it down too much. But, um, yeah, look at this man work. Yes, sir. The bench press, absolutely fantastic. I do want to kind of get to just some of his actual work out here. Uh, so we get some nice little drills here of him backpedaling, but he's just an absolute great safety. He's probably going to be the best one taken off the board. We were truly impressed when we already looked at him, just breaking down his highlights, really just impressive, just his sheer tackling ability, how he can play the ball, how he can instantly recognize plays and go and blow them up and attack and not break down so people juke around him. He's a surefire tackle, like we said, so he can go and just kind of go 100% from you know coming off of his man or his zone and going and attacking the ball and not missing or not breaking down. So, you know, these athletic running backs or wide receivers can kind of, you know, put the stutter on or juke him out a little bit to pick up an extra 5, 10 yards. No, he's blowing it up in the backfield for a negative 2 yards, negative 3 yards. So, truly impressive here. Great pro day, just elevating his own draft stock. Love seeing that. Great job, Trayvon Morig. And I look forward to see this man drafted. 
Okay, Bears signing veteran cornerback Desmond Trufant. I mean, we know their offense is going to be kind of trash this season if they're going to be sticking with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. So their defense is going to have to really step it up this season. A nice veteran corner, a nice six-foot veteran corner. Uh, just couldn't stay healthy last year for the Lions, unfortunately. Only played like six games. Uh, but this man can still ball. I'm a, I am am a big believer in Desmond, Desmond Trufant here. So Bill or Bears are trying to shore up their defense a little bit more. I mean, that's all Matt Nagy can do right now is just shore up the defense because that offense, ugh, yuck, gross, <laughs> gross. Ugh. Alrighty, and then we get some news here. Saints have to forfeit the 2022 six-round pick and pay $700,000 in fines for violations of the league's COVID protocols during the 2020 season. Now, we kind of heard about this story very heavy kind of early on in the season with, you know, Sean Payton's mask under his nose for an entire game, basically, uh, and the NFL kind of, you know, cracked down hard on them. They kind of made an example of the Saints a little bit, um, and now the punishment is here. 2020 six-round pick, draft pick forfeiture, and $700,000 in fines. They may be able to get that pick back, though, because the Raiders had their sixth-round pick reinstated upon appeal during their kind of whole COVID thing, and uh, but the team still had to pay 800000 in violation. So we'll see if the Saints can get that pick back. I mean, yeah, I mean, this the NFL wants the money. They're like, yeah, pay that fine. You're not getting rid of that fine. We You can keep the pick, but we want that money. We want 700000 We want eight hundred. We want that milli. Give us the milli. Uh, you have the pick back if you pay us a million dollars. So we'll see if these kind of um, – these uh, forfeitures of picks, uh, if that uh, stays or if they can appeal it, but uh, yeah, expect the Saints to be having to pay seven hundred thousand dollars for their uh, their unfortunate COVID protocols. Alright, and then the last story to talk about, we get a top 10 of the Atlanta Falcons this season, so let's see what the Falcons were working with, let's see how Matt Ryan was working, I want to see a lot of Calvin Ridley, this man is so great, so great, especially alongside Julio Jones, can definitely just stretch that defense horizontally when you got a nice number one wide receiver on the right side and Julio Jones, and a really kind of a number one, I'll call Calvin Ridley a number one wide receiver, I've got no problem with that, what he's been showing us, um, this his first two seasons in the league are absolutely magnificent, so we're all about it. So let's see who was doing work. Got the top 10 best plays of the Falcons. Let's see what they were doing. All righty, number 10 against the Lions. Matt Ryan to... Oh, it's a catch. Wow, I was going to say, what the heck is this? So a little bit of a circus catch here for the, the Falcons. A like four-yard, five-yard play. Ball goes off one receiver's hands off a defender's foot into the receiver's hands. Wow. All righty. That's not even a good play, but whatever. All righty. Number nine here. Chiefs trying to get fancy on him, and they say, no, no, no. We're picking you off. You're trying to throw a pass back to Patrick Mahomes. I'm a corner. Don't disrespect me by trying to throw to uh, a quarterback. You're trying to have a quarterback catch over me, a corner? What are you nuts? We're shutting that shit down. That's a nice pick by that Falcons defense. Alrighty, number eight here against the Seahawks. Oh yeah, Matt Ryan throwing it absolutely perfectly. Is this Gage, Russell Gage? An absolutely full extension there to catch the pass. Absolutely magnificent. Alrighty, number seven, Matt Ryan gearing up for another deep ball. This time it's to Calvin. Calvin Ridley, can he finish it? Oh, he doesn't finish it. But a nice catch to get absolutely behind every single defender here. He's got a nice kind of a full step. That's a full step on that defender. Um, clear. I mean, that's a perfect pass by Matt Ryan as well. Great catch. Able to get behind the defense. That's what Calvin really does, uh, does, folks. He takes the tops off the defense. Here we go at number six. And now we get, who's this? 
Who's number 17? Damn. All right. Everybody's taking the top off here. Here we go. Number six now against the Broncos. Going deep. Once again to Jackson. Number 17. Dang. They got some weapons out here. It's truly unfortunate. Matt Ryan's serviceable. I don't think he's clutch. I don't think he can get it done in the red zone. But they've got a nice wide receiver core here. All right. Number five going against the Saints. Once again, again to Calvin Ridley here. Just look at that second move. Some decent separation there. Able to kind of high point the ball and keep track of the ball and then make a full extension. Just look at this man work. He never loses sight of the ball. He kind of undercuts it a little bit too much here. And just kind of that makeup of it to full extend back up. Fantastic work. Alrighty, number four now. Matt Ryan going deep. Once again, Calvin Ridley, there he is. Getting behind the defense. Staying in bounds for the extra two yards for the touchdown. <clears throat> I mean, folks, if they had a little bit of a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, this offense would almost be unstoppable, honestly. That's why we want Deshaun Watson to come here truly so bad. Matt Ryan here, step back, nice little fake. Julio Jones takes it all the way in for the touchdown. Yes, sir. What a great little juke here. Oh, I'm going to run with it. Pulls back last second. Nice little flip over the first line of the defense. And that's just Julio Jones finishing the play there at number three for the TD. I mean, could you imagine Deshaun Watson with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? It's putting up 50 points every single game. All righty, Falcons defense here against the Raiders for two straight plays. This one on fourth and one. They say, no, 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 where are you going? Don't disrespect us by going for it on fourth down in the first quarter. What are you, nuts? And then here we go. They get revenge later with a nice little sack on Derek Carr and a forced fumble. Don't disrespect us. Another defensive play against this Raiders team, and it's a pick. It's going to be a pick six. Yes, sir. They pressure Derek Carr. He makes an arid throw, and that's going to be a pick six yesterday this oh my goodness a fourth play four plays at number two all defensive against the Raiders they forced Josh Jacobs to fumble the ball oh my goodness yikes this Raiders team woof in this Falcons defense was trash in another one five defensive plays all against this Raiders team for a big old another fumble from Derek Carr and they're already up 33 to 6 here in the fourth quarter I mean holy moly this Atlanta defense was really nothing good all season that was probably the worst thing about this Falcons team obviously their head coach you know getting fired and having that carousel around him but um, the offense it was fine but that defense was really not that great all right and then the number one play here Russell Gage to Calvin Ridley it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball to this man it doesn't matter Calvin you can have a wide receiver throwing to Calvin Ridley you can have Matt Ryan throwing to Calvin Ridley he's going to be behind the defense he's going to catch whatever the ball you place around him and that's what's up yes sir Calvin Ridley so many opportunities on those highlights love watching that man play he's a true number one wide receiver folks you got to respect his talent his speed his catching ability he's great he is so freaking great Alrighty, those are all the stories we had to cover for today. Right now, Colorado is currently winning 11 by 11 points here against Georgetown, and Colorado was minus 5.5 here, so very well done to them. Kind of covering it very quickly, very early on. Let's see what we get here. Running a play. Trying to take the three. Doesn't take it. Oh, he does force it up. Oh, and he cashes out. Oh, Colorado's got some hitters on their team. Gosh darn, a well-contested three. Buried that. Yes, sir. Alrighty. Alrighty, let's go into the NBA from yesterday, see what that's all about, and see if we can get a moneymaker in time for the show, which I think we should. I think we should be able to do that. 
Alrighty, so here we go. Last night, the Spurs and the Cavs, and the Spurs get the win 116-110 over the Cavs. Let's see what's going on with this Cavs team. Is DeMar DeRozan back playing for the Spurs? He is. Alrighty. So he's back in the lineup here. 20 points for DeMar DeRozan, 7 assists. Keldon Johnson, 23 points and 20. Oh, my God. God, 23 points and 21 rebounds for Keldon Johnson. 11 of those rebounds offensive as well. Oh, my God. Woof. The Cavs, man. Jared Allen, 15 points, 11 rebounds, trying to get it done. Larry Nance Jr. getting exposed at the four, uh, at the four position here. Colin Sexton, 29 points on 48% shooting. Darius Garland, four, 29 points on 50% shooting. So the guards getting it done, and that's really what they need because we really can't count on Isaac Okuru, Larry Nance Jr., or really Jared Allen. I mean, Jared Allen's not going to be putting up the big old points. I mean, he is a little bit of an above-average scoring big, but, I mean, big scoring, they're usually bigs are putting up, you know, 15 to 20 points. Yes, Jokic is the exception. Yes, Anthony Davis is the exception. I get it. But, um, yeah, only 15 points here for Jared Allen, which is good. 15 points and 11 rebounds. But you need scoring to come from other pieces. And we know Larry Nance Jr. doesn't score that much and Isaac Okuru doesn't. So the two guards here for the Cavs stepping it up, unfortunately, still get the loss against the Spurs 116-110. to Alrighty, then we get the Kings and the Celtics, and the Celtics lose. Man, oh man, the Celtics team after the All-Star break have not been looking great. Uh, let's get them updated now. Let's get these standings updated. Celtics are currently now the number eight seed, uh, five and five in the last ten, three game losing streak. Ever since Marcus Mar has really came back, they really haven't been able to kind of figure out that offensive rotation and the scoring ability. So very lackluster night here offensively for the Celtics, only putting up 96 points and losing against the Kings. Not a great loss there. So let's see what happened here. All righty. It looks like they're going back to kind of their normal starting lineup here. Kemba Walker at the two. Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker at the two. Marcus Smart at the – here it is. Kemba Walker at the one. Marcus Smart at the two. Jalen Brown at the three. Jason Tatum at the four. And Daniel Tice at the five. That's basically their starting rotation, uh, their main rotation that they started in the beginning of the season before Marcus Smart came out or got injured, and then they had to kind of reshuffle it around. But uh, they're kind of back to their starting lineup and still not winning, and everybody played hefty minutes. Everybody in the starting lineup playing 30 minutes besides Daniel Tice uh, playing 25. So, But here we go. Kemba Walker, 16 points, 7 assists on 30. 3% shooting. Stop taking all the shots. He's not that really efficient scoring the ball. And that really hurts him a lot. I mean, Kemba Walker, all these bad shots, man. Not great. Uh, Marcus Martin, 9 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 42%. He shot 1 of 3 from 3. Not terrible. Daniel Tice, 14 points, 8 rebounds. Jason Tatum, 15 points, 7 rebounds on 37% shooting. Once again, Jason Tatum, he hasn't really been looking that great overall this season. Hasn't really, he, he I mean, he's really has not a lot of help on this team besides Jalen Brown. I mean, Kemba Walker doesn't really help the team that much. Daniel Tice is not that great of a big. He's probably tier 3 big, and that's not great in this league. So Jason Tatum really needs to really kind of start being a lot more efficient here, scoring the ball. Scoring the ball hasn't really been doing that. 15 points on 37% shooting, and then Jalen Brown, 19 points, 11 rebounds. That's decent, but 40% shooting on 20 shots, only 19 points. Nobody's scoring 20 plus points for the squad. 
and then off the bench, you really can't count on anybody. You cannot count. This is the one of the least depth, least deep playoff teams that there is right now. Um, what do we got? Uh, Robert Williams putting up 12 points and 8 rebounds. He has been getting slightly better as the season progresses, so I do want to shout out Robert Williams. Uh, he was kind of like the worst big here um, last season and this season with Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson. Robert Williams, he was the worst big, but he is kind of getting a little bit better here, and I think he's still young. I think he's only like two or three years in the league. Yeah, two years, so... He is still getting a little bit better. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if he can compete for the starting job over Daniel Tice because I'm not a big fan of Daniel Tice just in general. Anyway. Alrighty, and then the Kings, De'Aaron Fox, 29 points. Yes, sir. Buddy Heald moving back to the three here. We saw him at the two a little bit. They do um, elevate Tyrese Halliburton to the starting lineup, so love seeing that. Didn't have a great night, Tyrese Halliburton, at the two. Uh, four points, seven assists, five rebounds on 16% shooting. Not great at all. Uh, but, hey, possibly his first game here in the starting lineup. I don't know what their last game starting lineup was. Uh, like we said, we've been taking a little light on the NBA. Hopefully we can get back on track here. Uh, just March Madness, folks. Darn. Oh, my goodness. And Colorado is absolutely killing it right now. 36-19 to 19 over Georgetown. Oof. Yeah, that Colorado minus 5.5 was looking good. Darn. Didn't take it. Unfortunate. But, hey, our other picks are even better than Colorado minus 5. So, get right. <laughs> get right. Alrighty, let's finish off these Kings now. Um, so, Buddy Heald, 22 points, 5 rebounds, 6 of 13 from the 3. 55% overall, not terrible. We'll take it. And Raquan Holmes, 25 points, 11 rebounds. Harrison Barnes, 15 points, 13 rebounds. So, everybody getting it done. Everybody rebounding the ball over Daniel Tyson Company because that's what the Celtics are very not good at. They've got no great bigs. So, well done for the Kings of getting the win. Alrighty, Heat and the Pacers, and whoa, a big old win for this Pacers team. Very well done for them to finally win a game with Karis LeVert. And Karis LeVert didn't even have that good of a game. Malcolm Brogdon, 27 points, 4 assists. Karis LeVert, 8.7 assists on 36% shooting. Miles Turner, 12 points, 5 rebounds. Devonta Sabonis, 13 points, 15 rebounds. And Justin Holiday, 17 points and 4 rebounds for the starters. And then off the bench, they got some great production here. Doug McDermott, 17 points. TJ McConnell, 16 points, 15 assists, 6 rebounds. Holy moly, great night from him. And then Jeremy Lamb off the bench, 12 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist. So everybody was getting it done here. <clears throat> great scoring off the bench. Now we go to the Heat, who did not step up here. Jimmy Butler, 17 points, 8 rebounds on 60% shooting. Four assists to go along with that. Kelly Olenek still at the 4 here. He's still at the 4? Why is this man still in the starting rotation? Ooh, uh, alrighty. I don't. I really do not like Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo kind of on the floor at the same time. I do like Kelly Olenek coming off the bench. I think he thrives off the bench better than being a starting 4 here. Uh, but Kelly Olenek, 7 points, 6 rebounds on 18% shooting. 1 of 7 from 3. The threes are not efficient when he starts. When he comes off the bench, they're pretty good. The The percentage is pretty good. But, man, oh, man, in the starting lineup, Kelly Olenek, who was uh, – Bam Adebayo was back. So, don't really know why Kelly Olenek is still in the starting lineup. Put Duncan Robinson at the three, Jimmy at the four maybe. Have Goran Dragic at the one if you need to replace anybody. But, man, Kelly Olenek cannot be on the starting rotation. 
All right, Bam Adebayo, 20 points, 8 rebounds. Great night by him. Duncan Robinson, 6 points on 22% shooting. Very lackluster again. Kendrick Nunn, 7 points on 37% shooting. 1 of 4 from 3. A little lackluster. Off the bench, we get Goran Dragic putting up 16 points on 60% shooting. Yes, sir. And Tyler Hero, 15 points, which is good, but very very inefficient here. 26% from the field and 1 of 5 from 3. So just nobody was getting it right, getting it done for this Heat team. Jimmy Butler didn't go big. Goran Dragic didn't go big. And uh, we got uh, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn going very, very light. So unfortunate there. But well done for this Pacers team. Um, doesn't change our mind about the Pacers at all. I still don't want to see them in the playoffs. Uh, they don't have a good big. They don't have a consistent big or really anybody consistent scoring the ball besides Sabonis. And he's busy rebounding and assisting for, you know, consistent 30-plus point games. So Pacers, they do beat the Heat. But, uh, yeah, Pacers, they're not a threat. They're not a problem. They're not a deterrent for us to pick against them. <laughs> Alrighty, moving on to Nets and the Magic. And the Magic win 121-113 over the Nets. And the Nets just couldn't get it done scoring the ball, unfortunately. Kyrie Irving had a decent game with 43 points and 6 rebounds on 4 assists on 61% shooting. 3 of 8 from 3. Um, so good night by Kyrie Irving, James Harden, 19 points, nine assists, four rebounds on 26% shooting. So he, he just couldn't kind of get it done last night, scoring the ball down Jordan, eight points, six rebounds, Jeff Green, three points, five rebounds, Joe Harris, 16 points, classic Joey H, uh, didn't shoot well from three, three of 13, uh, didn't really shoot well overall, but Hey, 16 points, I guess we'll give it to him. And then off the bench, just really nothing else. Bruce Brown, seven points. Laundry Shamit, six points. Nicholas Claxton, seven points, four rebounds. So just a little light here off the bench. A little light by James Harden. A little unfortunate. Alrighty, now we go to the Magic. Why were they on? Well, Aaron Gordon, 38 points, six rebounds. Yes, sir. Vucevic, 22 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. Evan Fournier, 31 points. Uh, Chasen Randall, 13 points. So really everybody in the starting rotation was getting it done, scoring the ball. And uh, the, just the Nets couldn't keep up with the sheer, sheer scoring output that the Magic was having. Um, so just needed somebody else to step up. Kyrie did. Nobody else did. Unfortunate. Alrighty, Jazz and the Raptors, and the Jazz get the win here. We got a little uh, video from this. Uh, we get the last possession here for the Raptors, down three points. Jazz up 115-112 over the Raptors with three seconds left. Let's see what happens here. Siakam gets the inbound pass, fires up a three, swirls in and out. Unfortunately, does not go down, and they lose the game. So Siakam... Unfortunately, could not get it done for the tie to force overtime, and they do end up losing the game because of that. So, a little unfortunate there for the Raptors. Um, do we have the game? I thought we just clicked on the game. Um, all right, so the Jazz get the win, 115-112 over the Raptors. Just Siakam couldn't be clutch. Unfortunate. Um, all righty, then we get the, the Pistons and the Rockets. Obviously, Pistons win. I mean, there's no even point of talking about this Rockets team. They're so trash. All right, Warriors beat the Grizzlies 116-103 over the Grizzlies. Um, so, I mean, well done for the Warriors to kind of stay on track here with some wins here. Um, oh, is this right? Oh, the Steph Curry did not play, and they still win. Wow. Andrew Wiggins goes absolutely monster. 40 points, 4 steals, 4 assists, 8 rebounds on 58% shooting at the starting 2. So what a lineup here. Jordan Poole at the 1, Andrew Wiggins at the 2, Kelly Oubre Jr. at the 3, Draymond Green at the 4, Kevin Looney at the 5. So really big roster shake-up here. 
Jordan Poole, 25 points. Andrew Wiggins, 40 points, all stepping it up. Damian Lee off the bench, 21 points, all getting it done. Kelly Oubre Jr. does not get it done, 4 points on 28% shooting. Alrighty, now we go to the Grizzlies. I mean, this is why we can't trust the Grizzlies this much. I mean, you just lost to the Warriors without Steph Curry, and you let Andrew Wiggins drop 40 points on you. That's not great overall. So I really don't know what to make of this uh, this Grizzlies team. I want them to be good, but they 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 do this. They do this. They lose this game that they should have won at home. John Morant, 14 points. Light. Grayson Allen, 14 points. He actually shot pretty good. 75% and 2 of 3 overall. So this is a decent performance by Grayson Allen. Jonas Valanciunas, 10 points, 16 rebounds. Kyle Anderson, 7 points. Dylan Brooks, 8 points. Just nobody putting up any decent, sizable points here for the Grizzlies. Nobody stepped up like Andrew Wiggins did, so the Grizzlies lose. Unfortunate, man. Unfortunate for the Grizzlies. Back down two games below 500. Classic Grizzlies, right? Alrighty, last three games here. Bulls, Nuggets, Nuggets get the win. 131-127 over the Bulls. And wow, this was a close game that really went the distance here. Uh, let's see who is scoring for the Bulls. Uh, Thaddeus Young still in the starting lineup. 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Yes, sir. Shot 71% as well. Hit 1 of 1 from 3. We love Thaddeus Young, folks. Six man of the year candidate. Got to start respecting him a little bit more. And he is kind of you know thriving here in the starting lineup. Zach Levine, 32 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds. Kobe White gets moved to the bench. Wow, very very interesting here by the Bulls uh, coach for this lineup here. And I kind of like it. Uh, Kobe White coming off the bench, 17 points on 53% shooting. Zach Levine, the 32 points, like we said. Laurie McCarkannon, uh 10 points. Otto Porter Jr. off the points uh, off the bench, 22 points as well. So a little bit of a, uh, a a lineup shakeup here by the Bulls, and it almost paid off with the win over a nice Nuggets team. We do have – do we got tape from this one as well? Yes, sir. So here we go. Jamal Murray, folks, a huge clutch player in this league. You, we got to give them top five clutch players, clutchest players in the league right now, folks. I'm ready to give them that. Um, I mean, after what we saw last year in the bubble, you know, just kind of going toe to toe with the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, going seven games and being kind of clutch in four of those seven games, he's bringing it over here. So here we go. Denver down three points, 116, 113 with 10 seconds left. They have the ball. Last possession here. Jamal Murray passes the Jokic, runs around a little bit. Jamal Murray goes to the three-point line, gets the ball from Jokic, fires up a three, and that's cash money. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, he did it over Thaddeus Young, which is not good because I do like Thaddeus Young. So Thaddeus Young didn't have great closeout defense here on Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray just kind of sidesteps him and drains the three, goes into overtime, and then wins the game in overtime. So nice clutch performance by Jamal Murray. Love it. Um, where's the game at? Alrighty. So here we go for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, 34 big old points. I think they said 31 of his 34 points came in the fourth quarter in overtime. So the man was just clutch. He was not great for the rest of the game. Uh, Will Barton, 16 points. Joe Kick, 34 points. Nine assists, 15 rebounds. Paul Millsap, four points, four rebounds. And then Michael Porter Jr., yes sir, 19 points, six rebounds, two assists. Um, did not shoot well from three. One of five from three, but 50% overall from the field. So we'll give him it. Um, alrighty, so definitely interesting here for the Bulls. Let's see where they're at kind of in the standings. Currently number 10, just kind of two games out from that eighth seed. We know the play-in tournament is um, seven through 
10. So, you know, the Bulls are still in the playoff tournament. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. But, um, yeah, not bad here for the Bulls. And I do kind of like this lineup. We'll see if they stick with it. Alrighty, Suns getting their revenge on the Timberwolves in their back-to-back second meeting. 113-101 over the Bull- over the Timberwolves, so Suns get back on track. And then we get Blazers and Mavericks. Blazers get the win over the Mavericks, 125-119. So thankful that we just kept the Blazers in the top 10 yesterday in our power rankings. We were thinking about kind of moving them out, but we wanted to give them kind of one more chance. No other team has kind of really stepped up. So we gave the Blazers one more chance, dropping them down to that. 10th seed, but they get a nice huge win over the Mavericks. CJ McCollum was absolutely clutch and lethal in the fourth quarter, really kind of led them to the win because the Blazers were kind of down big going into the fourth quarter. So CJ McCollum really steps it up and uh, they get the win over the Mavericks. So very well done to the Blazers. Um, Alrighty, we are going to go to our moneymaker. Let's kind of squeeze this in. There's only, what, two, four, five games on tonight in the NBA. So let's see if we can do anything here. Any good value? Can we rival the value that we just got on our March Madness picks? All righty. Let's see what we got. Currently, USC Greensboro over Florida State is not looking so hot. UNC Green or hand no, we didn't take that one. We we're talking about UC Santa Barbara. That's my bad. All right, so disregard that. Now let's head over to the NBA and see what we're looking like on our picks and lines. So here we go. First matchup up is Hawks and Lakers. Hawks plus four, Lakers minus four. This Hawks team is looking real dangerous right now. A nice seven game, big old winning streak for Atlanta. Going toe-to-toe against the Lakers now. Let's see if everybody's in. For the Hawks, Chris Dunn is out. Cam Reddish is still out. For the Lakers, LeBron James, game-time decision, he's going to play. Uh, Jared Dudley and Anthony Davis is still out. So uh, basically everybody's go. Just the usual suspects are out. Um, So we will be taking the... I don't know if we're going to take this game. Um, like, I mean, like we said, the Hawks' win streak, it's been against kind of the lackluster teams. This is their seven-game win streak. Here we go. Thunder, Rockets, Cavs, Kings, Raptors, Magic, Heat. Really any good teams there? Any even playoff teams? Heat are a playoff team. They beat them, but that was on a back-to-back in their second game. They won the second meeting. Magic, no. <laughs> Raptors, they're number 11 here in the East. Not great. Um, you know, and I know, you know, I think this was the game where Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam were still out. Yeah, no Fred Van Vliet, no Pascal Siakam, no OG Ananubi. So you're winning games. So we can't take the Hawks plus four there. It's not great value. Yes, they're on a seven game winning streak, but it's kind of against the lackluster teams in the league. All righty, then we go to Kings and the 76ers. Alrighty, Kings plus six, 76ers minus six. Let's see if uh, Joel Embiid is still out. For the Kings, Marvin Bagley's out. And for the 76ers, Seth Curry and Joel Embiid are both out. So we don't, we really can't trust this 76ers team without Joel Embiid, so we will stay away from that game. That brings us to Warriors and Grizzlies. Oh, Warriors plus five and a half, Grizzlies minus five and a half. I wonder if Steph Curry is still out. I'm sure he is with this spread. Steph Curry's a game time decision. Alrighty, and then for the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson is out. Well, we're going to take the five here for the Warriors. I mean, we cannot trust this 
Actually, we're not taking that. I forgot. That's in a back-to-back uh, with the with the Warriors winning yesterday. So can't trust. We, we're not taking back-to-backs. I mean, you cannot take back-to-backs. It really does not go the first the way the same way or even kind of as close or even decently recognizable as the first meeting went. So we do our we are unfortunately have to get have, have to stay away from that game. Uh, so let's move on to Spurs and the Bucks. Spurs plus nine and a half. Bucks minus nine and a half. Okay. Uh, give me the defense of the Spurs plus nine and a half points here. As long as everybody's good to go. LaMarcus Aldridge is out, but they're trying to trade him. We know this. For the Bucks, um, everybody's good to go. For So everybody's good to go in both of these games for both of these teams. And we're going to take the points here with the Spurs. Yes. Give us the great defensive ability on this Bucks team. Now, the Spurs don't have the best three-point shooting. That kind of helps beat the Bucks if you have a great big or if you have great three-point shooting, but I'm going to count on the defense here of the Spurs for them to get it done. Yes, the Bucks are on a nice little five-game winning streak, but I mean, we can't really trust this Bucks on long winning streaks. It does not last. It crumbles. It falls. They have to reset. They have to start over and kind of build up their rotations, their minutes, and just their confidence and momentum from three, from the free throw line, of all that. So Spurs plus nine and a half. They may not win, but I'll take the points there plus nine and a half. That's fantastic. Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, the Hornets and the Clippers here. Uh, Cody Zeller is out for the Hornets, so now they have no big. But I do want to see what they do for the bigs here because this could be an opportunity for the Hornets to get a little bit better to kind of see what they actually have in real game time scenarios. So Cody Zeller's out, big out for the Hornets because they really don't have a true big now. Patrick Beverly is still out for the Clippers, and Serge Ibaka is a game-time decision. We may be crazy, but I, I'm interested to see what this Hornets team does at the starting five with Cody Zeller out to see if they can kind of get it done. Cody Zeller is really the only starting player on that Hornets team that I don't trust 100%. So I'm going to take it. We're going to take the Hornets plus 9.5 here. Interesting value here, and with Patrick Beverly being out for the Clippers, we know he's kind of a decent piece because he is the facilitator on their starting rotation, and ever since he's been out, the Clippers have not been good, and the Clippers haven't been good with him either. I mean, they're not great. They're 4-6 and six in the last 10, so we can't trust the Clippers. 9.5 here for the Hornets with a little experimental at their 5. I'm about it. We'll take it. Nice points here. Spurs plus 9.5, Hornets plus 9.5 for our NBA picks. Alrighty, we do have time in the show today, so we are going to do our MVP race, folks. We want to try to do this every Thursday. Unfortunately, because of March Madness, we've been having to push it off for a little bit. Uh, but since it's the back half of the season now after the All-Star break, let's start kind of fine-tuning our MVP discussion, folks. So that's what we've got here today on the show to close it out. Our MVP race. So we're going to kind of do it in uh, uh, small steps here to kind of get a firm 1-2-3 right now as of this moment of 3-20, March 20th, 2021 at 1.13 p.m. We're going to try and get an accurate depiction of our MVP race. So firstly, what we're going to do, we're going to break it down into three stages. We're going to do it, first of all, we're going to go with just stats straight up. Straight up stats, what you've been doing this entire season. We'll break those down and rank them one, two, three. We've got three players in our MVP race that we've been talking about from the beginning of the season. If we have to start incorporating some other names in the back half of the season, we will. But we're just starting with our top three right now. So here we go. Or let's finish kind of explaining how we're going to break this down. So we're going to initially rank it one, two, three, just based off the stats. Then we're going to go into their schedule and count good wins. And what we're going to count as good wins is right now, who are the top six teams in the East and the top six teams in the West. Like the new playoff formatting here, 
in uh, just this season for the NBA, the top 10 teams or the number seven through number 10 have a play in tournament. So we're going to count as good teams, good solid wins here as numbers one through six in the East and the West in the playoff race. So we'll count those and we'll see if we have to make any adjustments based on these players wins overall. And then for our final kind of round of uh, selections here is we're going to do what have you done so far since the All-Star break right up until today, March 20th. So we'll see if we have to move anything around just based on what have you done for us lately right after the All-Star break when everybody really needs to be locking it in, locking it up, focusing on your playoff positioning, getting to that number one seed if you can. So that's what we want to see. So let's first off tell you the three players we are kind of looking at as kind of the front runners of the MVP race. Now, we don't have LeBron James in the top three here, although he should be. LeBron James should be the MVP literally every single season. We see, you know, his number twos not always being healthy, Anthony Davis, or just not being there, non-existent. We saw that with, you know, his Cavs years when he was beginning carrying garbage to the finals. Um, so... We don't have LeBron James. I think LeBron James should be MVP every single season. So we're not going to have him um, in this discussion just because I don't think the league is going to give it to him this season. Um, I think there's other stories, other players that they're going to kind of want to give the MVP to. Alrighty, so here we go. The three candidates that we have so far are Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. Why we like Joel Embiid? Well, I mean, he's making this kind of... This team worked. They had the outside shooting. They brought in the outside shooting, and he's still consistent down low. Him and Ben Simmons are working together, and they're the number one seed in the West, or in the in the East. So we love all that from Joel Embiid. That's why he's one of our top three. Then we got James Harden. Out of everybody in the big three of the Nets, James Harden is the one that's sacrificing his game the most, the one that's kind of fine-tuning his game around what is happening on his team the most. He's taking less shots, assisting the ball more, rebounding the ball more, still scoring good points because we are going to break down his stats in a little bit. But, um, I mean, he's just he's taking that back seat. Kyrie wants to be the number one on a team so freaking bad that he's like physically forcing other players to stop scoring the ball so he can get more shots. Whether they're better shots or not, it doesn't matter to Kyrie Irving. He just wants to be the one. So um, I got to respect James Harden a lot. And plus, Kevin Durant hasn't been playing basically this entire season so far for the Nets. And James Harden is single-handedly getting it done. Kyrie Irving has taken a couple of games off as well. Uh, James Harden, I think, has only missed maybe one game if he missed a game at all. But he's the one constant on this team. He's the true facilitator. He's clutch. So is Kyrie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Kyrie Irving is not fine-tuning his his game to what this team needs like James Harden is. So I got to praise James Harden so much on that. It's so impressive and I love watching him play um, kind of maybe even more than I like to see him on the Rockets now that he's kind of a facilitator. So we got James Harden in our MVP discussion and then we also have Damian Lillard. I mean folks, he doesn't have Nurchich or McCollum for basically this entire season and he still has them currently as the Sixth seed in the West, but it was all the way up to the fourth seed at one point. They were that high. So were they the fourth seed? I think they were. Uh, but he had them very high up without having his kind of true number two and maybe even true number three. I would put maybe McCollum as the two. Damian Lillard obviously at the one and Nurchich at, at the three. Kind, Yeah, absolutely. So... 
Um, gotta shout out Damian Lillard for that, and he's just been so freaking clutch, folks. He is the most clutch currently player in the NBA. I don't want to hear about it. There's no argument to be made. We're going to kind of look that up as well. Uh, I'm going to kind of use that as an argument when we look at the MVP discussion in a minute, but he's just absolutely clutch. No number two here, still getting it done like LeBron James does. No Anthony Davis. LeBron James is still getting it done, still getting the other players involved, elevating the other players' uh, stats around him, and that's what Damian Lillard is doing. So we're giving them, we're giving Damian Lillard a lot of credit here for his playoff positioning here for the record without having McCullum and Nurchich. So those are our three MVP candidates so far, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. So let's start the process of kind of finding out who should be number one here. So let's read their season stats and kind of have our first ranking on just their season stats so far. All righty. Season stats with the record. We do have that included. So here we go. Joel Embiid putting up 29 points a game, 11 rebounds, and 3 assists on 52% shooting. And they're 28-13. and 13. Uh, And they're 28-13 and 13 on their record. Alrighty. So that's great. So that's great. The points are there. Double-digit rebounds. Light on the assists. But, I mean, he's big. He wants points and rebounds. That's what he's doing. He's shooting 52%. And we know he can kind of stretch the floors with the three. So that's pretty good as well. I mean, look at this. Shooting 42% uh, from, the three, from the three. Absolutely magnificent. So great stats there by Joel Embiid. Now James Harden. He's putting up 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 11 assists. He's the only player close with double-digit assists, folks. The next highest, I think, is like Trey Young with 9. So James Harden getting it done. Double-digit assists is just so freaking great, especially on this Nets team, um, you know, where there's a lot of, like, individual ball movement or you would think there would be because of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. You would think it would just kind of be, all right, it's your turn to take the shot. It's your turn to take the shot. That was kind of the narrative going into the season. But James Harden's like, no, no, no. I'm going to change up my game. I'm going to facilitate this floor because we've got talent. We've got other shooting talent, and I've got no problem being unselfish and just passing the ball. So absolutely fantastic. He's shooting 47% from the field, and they are 28 and 13. Um, did, this, did, this, did that up, update? Because um, I, I might be a game behind in uh, the record, not the stats. Uh, Nets are 28 and 14 because they just played last night and lost. 76ers are still 28 and 13. All right. All right, and now we go to Damian Lillard's stats. All righty, he's putting up 30 points a game. Yes, sir. So he leads that kind of field in scoring, even though Joel Embiid is very, very close with 29.9. Uh, still not going to round up there. I'm not going to round up anywhere. Uh, so 30 points for Damian Lillard, four, four rebounds and seven assists. So a little lackluster on the rebounds and assists compared to everybody else. But, um, you know, the 30 points, fantastic. 45% shooting, 38% from the three. He's got their team at 23 and 16, just kind of by his lonesome. And he's just ultimate clutch, folks. He is truly ultimate clutch. We will, do we want to bring up this segment too? I mean, just folks, look at this. Look at this. Just, this is just a season, folks, of how clutch Damian Lillard is. Damian Lillard. Chat. I'm just using this uh, stat, uh, this website. I love this website. Um, you can fine tune it very much. So, uh, what is it? Unpredictable stats.unpredictable.com. So Lillard shot 76.9% on E field goals, which is the clutch squared field goals, which is kind of the clutch, you know, um, you know, go ahead buckets with like a minute in the fourth quarter. So that's how they break it down. And so he's shooting 70, 76.9% clutch shots just this season alone compared to the league average of 40%. So this man is well above the league average folks, multiple game winners just this season alone. I mean, look at all these makes. 
Yes, folks. Yes, sir. These are game-winning shots right here. No time left in the fourth quarter. 32 seconds left in the fourth, fourth quarter. 16 seconds left in the fourth quarter. 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter. You know, so he's just getting it done. 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Getting it done. Winning all those games. Being absolutely clutch. Now, you might be seeing, oh, well, I see some of these red marks. These are all in the same game, folks. This one, two, three, four. These four marks right here are all in the same game. This last green one actually made them win the game, not these two misread ones. So, you know, he's still being clutch, getting it done. Um, all right, and then this big old run here, all different games, all getting it done. And then uh, against the Blazers, or against the Pelicans, he didn't hit the game-winning shots, unfortunately, or the clutch shots, but they still end up winning the game. So I'm not going to penalize them for that. So just absolutely greatness. They're not losing games, being clutch, getting it done. So all of those stats, I guess we can look up. I mean, let's just be fair. Let's look up uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid. Are they as is are they as clutch as Damian Lillard? Damian Lillard? I don't think so. But let's see where they're kind of at here. All right, so let's find um, James Harden and James Harden right here. Alrighty, he's got six clutch shots. Let's see how he's looking here. Ooh, James Harden shooting seventy five percent on clutch shots. Okay, all right. What do we got here? Game winners against Portland right here. He missed a layup, missed a layup. These are all the same games. They end up winning this game. Who won this game? Blazers won this game. So James Harden does have clutch shots, but they're not leading to wins like Damian Lillard is. I mean, we'll look at all these clutch shots. Here's one. And they win it. They win 123-122. So they win by one there. This clutch shot. They win the game 121-118. This clutch shot. That's the same one, but they still win that game 121-118 against the uh, Mavericks. All right, this one against uh, who they got in this one? Against the Pelicans. Clutch shot that won them the game. There it is, 126-124. This one's the same game. And now we got this one against Golden State, I think it said. Yeah, they win 108-106. So Damian Lillard's clutch shots are leading to victories where some of these ones from James Harden, these four here against the Blazers, not getting the win here. All right, let's see about this one. I mean, these clutch shots are coming in like, you know, two minutes, a minute 55. What did this one say? This one came at a minute 55 left in the game. You know, 47 seconds left in the game, 41 seconds left in the game. This one didn't even, or it did result in a win. All right, so one of his clutch shots with a minute left led them to a win. So we're talking about, you know, not, and then he just went on these three misses here. And then these last two uh, clutch shots here, I mean, just one from the other day against Detroit where they win the game. But, I mean, the clutch shot came at a minute 37 seconds left. So he does have clutch shots, not kind of the clutchness we're actually kind of talking about with Damian Lillard. So a little inflated there. And then we'll go to uh, Joel Embiid to look at his clutchness real quick. He's got seven, it looks like, seven shots. And he's at 78% as well. Let's see what his clutch shots are. Once again, I mean, his clutch shots coming at two minutes left in the game, 109, 138. Let's see if these result in some wins here. Uh, they do win that game, 113, 107. But that, once again, that one came with like, uh, you know, a minute, nine seconds left. This one came with uh, four seconds left. I think we can watch this, actually. Uh, yeah, so very well done for Joel Embiid hitting this one. Can we watch this? I think we can. 
Let's watch this one. So here it is. Down two. Gets the inbound pass. Takes the shot. Bango, bango. Hits it. That ties the game. And then they go on to win the game. So that was definitely clutch right there. Love that. Alrighty. What else we get here? Making this one. I mean, we're not going to count a clutch shot with two minutes left, are we? This one with 47 seconds left. He misses it. Do they lose the game? They don't lose the game, but he missed the clutch shot. Alrighty, this one against Cleveland. They win the game because of this. They do, or no, they lose the game. So he makes a clutch shot, but or he doesn't make the clutch shot. That's it. I see it. Tied at 92. Trying to hit a clutch shot. Can't get it to go. Goes in overtime. They lose the game. So Damian Lillard is the clutchest out of, of the three. His his shots are resulting in wins. So uh, stats-wise, compared with the clutchness. Alrighty, I think we have to rank it. <sighs> Joel Embiid won just based off stats alone. I mean, thirty basic twenty-nine points, basically thirty on fifty-two percent shooting with those eleven rebounds, double-digit rebounds on another category besides the points. That's what we're looking for. So very well done by Joel Embiid. Alrighty, but the clutchness, man, and the record of Damian Lillard, man, I want to give it to him so much. I want to, I just want to give Damian Lillard the MVP. But um, the thirty points is great. The four rebounds, the eight assists. I mean, he has the least amount of rebounds compared to the three. He has the second amount of rebounds or assists compared to the other three. The record's the worst of the bunch, but you know, well, like we said, I mean, James Harden has Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid has, um, you know, everybody, <laughs> Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. Um, where Damian Lillard's working with, you know, Gary Trent Jr., Ennis Cantor, Carmelo off the bench, Derek Jones Jr. in the starting lineup, no CJ McCollum or Nurchich, and he's still getting it done. So Damian Lillard's stats compared with the clutch gene, I think I got to give it up for Damian Lillard at the two. And then for number three, I'm going to give it to James Harden. Um, I mean, the assist is great. I mean, the 25 points is the least amount of points, and that's to be expected, especially when you're giving, when you're, you know, having so many more assists, you know, the 11 assists there, so double digits in another category, once again, great. And then that eight rebounds is great as well. I mean, this man's almost averaging a triple-double out here, which is absolutely fantastic. Um the reason why we have him at number three probably is just, once again, I mean, his supporting cast is very good. I mean, they still got Joe Harris and Bruce Brown and, um, you know, Kyrie Irving. So more kind of skilled pieces than what Damian Lillard is kind of currently working with. Now that CJ McCollum's back, you know, now we can start talking about, you know, a little bit more evenly. But uh, I think just based on stats, record, and clutchness of what has happened kind of in the totality of the season so far, we're going to rank it like this. Joel Embiid at one, Damian Lillard at two, and James Harden at three. Now, we are going to count for our kind of second ordering. Now, since we have our kind of base one, two, three, we're going to kind of look at the overall schedule and count quality wins and see if we have to move any around. Is, you know, Joel Embiid and the 76ers just beating, you know, like the, the Magic and the Timberwolves in the Timberwolves in the Timberwolves in the Magic again? Is that all they're coming after? So we know Joel Embiid and, da and James Harden are in the East, a little bit of a lackluster conference compared to the West where Damian Lillard is. So we'll see what happens here so like I said we are counting quality wins as the top six teams in the Eastern and Western Conference now that we have this kind of play-in tournament NBA is kind of recognizing you know seven and eighth seed meh, kind of the same as the ninth and tenth seed so everybody's got the opportunity so we are going to count quality wins as the top six teams in the East and Western Conference so 
let's take all their schedules now. We'll start here with the Blazers. We're going to count quality wins to see what these are looking like uh, stacked up together. Alrighty, so here we go. Jazz for the this is the Blazers schedule. First game, Jazz lost. Can't count that. Then they beat the uh, Rockets. That's not a quality win. That's not even close to even thinking about a quality win. Then they beat the Lakers. Alrighty, quality win right there. Number one. All right, lose to the Clippers. Beat the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors are in the top six yet. No, they're number nine. So that's not a quality win. Um, alrighty. Then they lose to the Warriors. Lose to the Bulls. Beat the Timberwolves. Not a quality win there. Kings, not a quality win there. Raptors, unfortunately, not a quality win there. Kings again, not a quality win there. Pacers, I don't, or they lost to them, so it doesn't matter, and I don't think they're in the top six anyway. The uh, Atlanta Hawks, have they clawed their way back into the top six? Yes, they have, so that's another quality win there. They're number five. Alrighty, now we keep going against the Spurs. Two games against Grizzlies postponed. The Knicks, they win against the Knicks, and I believe the Knicks are in the top five, or the top six. Oh, they're number seven. Oh, man, we're not going to count them. Unfortunate. They just slipped out. Truly unfortunate. Alrighty, Thunder, they lose to the Thunder. The Rockets, they beat the Bulls. The Bulls are currently not in the top six. Nope. Okay. Alrighty, they lose to the Bucks. They beat the Wizards. They beat the 76ers. Alrighty, quality win there. Lose to the Knicks. Beat the Magic. Beat the 76ers again. Alrighty, four quality wins so far. Two against, you know, a former opponent. So let's kind of mark that. 76ers twice. Just in case we need a tiebreaker or something. Alright. Um, Alrighty, Cleveland. Not a top 10 team. Or top, top 6 team. Dallas Mavericks. Are they back in the top 6? I don't think they are. They are not. Oof, unfortunate. Alrighty, keep on going. The Thunder win, the Pelicans win, losing against Washington, Phoenix, Denver, Lakers. Tough four-game stretch there. They beat the Hornets. I believe the Hornets are number six, yeah? Hornets are number six. That's a quality win. So five there so far for the Pacers. Let's keep it going here. Warriors, Kings, they get the wins. Phoenix, they lose. Minnesota, they win. Minnesota, they lose. Pelicans, they win twice. And I don't think the Pelicans are in the top six. So, alrighty, kind of eye-opening here. The, the Blazers and the Lillard only have five quality wins here. Not great. I don't think. We'll see how it's compared to everybody else, but that's not a strong mark, I would say. Um, alrighty. All right, now let's go to James Harden and the Nets schedule. Let's see what the Nets are beating. Are they beating quality teams? So here we go. They beat the Warriors. They're not quality. Celtics, they're number eight, so not quality there. Okay, they lose against the Hornets and the Grizzlies. They beat the Hawks. The Hawks is a quality win. They lose against the Hawks. They lose against Washington. They beat the Jazz. Quality win. They beat the 76ers. Quality win. Everybody's beating the 76ers, man. Um, Alrighty. Grizzlies, they lose. OKC, they lose. Denver, they win. Let me double sure on uh, double make sure on Denver. I do think they are. Yep, they're number five. All right. Alrighty. Number five. So another quality win there. Where do we just leave off at? Where's Denver at? I keep going back to the Blazers. That's why. All right. Uh, Denver, right here. All right. Here we go. Beat the Knicks. Not a quality win. Beat the Magic. Not a quality win. Beat the Bucks. Quality win. They're at five already with a lot of games to go here. All right. Lose to the Cavs twice. Beat the Heat twice. Where are the Heat at? Are they top six? Oh, they are. So they beat them twice back to back. Two quality wins there. All righty. Beat the Hawks. Another quality win. 
beat the Thunder, lose against the Wizards, beat the Clippers, another quality win, lose against the Raptors, the 76ers, and the Pistons, beat the Pacers, the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, another quality win. The Lakers, another quality win. The Clippers, another quality win here. They beat the Kings, the Magic. They lose to the Mavericks. They beat the Spurs. Where are the Spurs at? They're number seven. Oof, just cut off. All right. They beat the Spurs. They beat the Rockets. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Pistons. They beat the Knicks. They beat the Pacers. A huge stretch there with no quality wins. And that brings us up to date. So James Harden has 12 quality wins. Damian Lillard only has five. Yikes. All right. Now let's finish it off here with what Joel Embiid is doing here. Alrighty, let's count his quality wins. Here we go. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Knicks. They lose to the Cavs. They beat the Raptors. They beat the Magic. They beat the Hornets twice. What do we say about the Hornets? Are they good? Yes, they are number six. Did I count? Did I count the Hornets for uh, for uh, the Blazers? I think I did. I think we did. All right. Uh, back to the 76ers here. So they beat the Hornets twice. Beat the Wizards. They lose to the Nets. They lose to the Nuggets. They lose to the Hawks. They beat the Heat twice. That's two quality wins. They lose to the Grizzlies. They beat the Celtics twice. They beat the Pistons once. Lose to them another time. Then they're back on track beating the Lakers. So that's their fifth quality win so far. Is our pen running out of ink? This could be bad. Alrighty, so they beat the, uh, what did we just leave off, the Lakers. Then they beat the Timberwolves, the Pacers, the Hornets. Another quality win here. Wow, the pen has just died live on the show. Oh, it's back. It's back, baby. Alrighty. Um, alrighty, another Hornets win, another quality win there. Alright, then they beat the Nets. Then they beat the Kings. They lose to the Pace, or the... The Blazers, they lose to the Suns, they lose to the Jazz, they beat the Rockets, they beat the Bulls, they lose to the Raptors, they beat the Raptors, they beat the Mavericks. Where are the Mavericks at? Mavericks are number eight, so not a quality win there. Uh, they beat the Pacers, they beat the Jazz, quality win there. Um, yeah, they beat the Jazz. And now, ever since the All-Star break, uh, he only played 3-12. So, he played against the Bulls. They get the win. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Spurs. They beat the Knicks. They just lose to the Bucks. So, Joel Embiid and the 76ers have eight quality wins. So, now let's go back to our NBA MVP race. So, Joel Embiid, the number one seed, eight quality wins. James Harden, number three, with 12 quality wins compared to Damian Lillard with the five quality wins. So, I think we are going to have to rearrange this for Damian Lillard to go down to the three, unfortunately. Just those five quality wins. I mean, that's uh, seven more quality wins for James Harden. And I think the stats are kind of close to kind of compete with Damian Lillard a little bit. Alrighty, so our new, after the second round of changing, we got Joel Embiid at the one, James Harden at the two, and Damian Lillard at the three. Let me just double check to make sure we counted the Lillard wins right. We got the Lakers at one. The Hawks at two.
Philadelphia at three. Philadelphia at four. Uh, the Hornets at five. Yeah, all right. So truly five there for Damian Lillard, unfortunately. All righty. And now the last thing I want to do is kind of do what have they done since the All-Star break right up until this moment. So they all have all played a couple of games here. Um, all righty. So here we go. Damian Lillard over the last couple of games. So this is starting from 311 all the way up to yesterday, last night. Uh, 37 and 8 points, rebounds, assists. That's how we're doing it. 37 and 8, 25, 5 and 10. 30, oh, I think I can just uh, actually bring it up here if I do uh, games, game logs. Yeah, all right. I'll have a visual. Why not? All righty, here we go. Where's the date? 311 after the All-Star break. All righty. So here it is. 37 and 8, 25, 5 and 10, 38, 7 and 4, 56 and 10. Resulting in a game-winning free throw in a one-point win over the Pelicans. So, once again, the clutch gene is still here in the second half of the season. And then he had 31-3-6 um, and 36-6-6. And and so, uh, really just kind of magnificent here by Damian Lillard. Unfortunately, it results into only zero quality wins because we're talking about the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans again. Uh, they did lose against the Suns, and he still did good. They lost by six when he went 37-8. and eight. So, uh, once again, no quality wins here. Game-winning performance. We know he's clutch. Great stats. You know, putting up 30 points. He went for 50 in a game. Fantastic. 56-10. and 10. So, once again, double-double. Assists are still there. Then we go to James Harden. Let's go to him. Alrighty, and then we've got, uh, what do we got for him? Here we go. <clears throat> Since 311, on 311, he went 22, 10, and 8, 12 point win against the Celtics. Uh, then we went 24, 10, and 10, 5 point win against the Pistons. 21, 14, 15, 5 point win against the Knicks. 40, 10, and 15 against, and that results into a 9 point win against the Pacers in 19, 4, and 9 just from last night. Results in an 8 point loss against the Magic. So, you know, he doesn't score a lot and they lose the game. Not surprising there to us. Uh, we know James Harden, um, you know, is a huge part of this team. So, if he's not putting up, you know, 25 plus points, possibly a loss there. All right, and that, that brings us to Joel Embiid, and this man's been a little injured. Ugh, unfortunate. Not great. So Joel Embiid, over these last couple of games since the 11th, really only played one game on 3-12, went 23-7-3, and, and then that was a 26 blowout win over the Wizards. So truly unfortunate here, inactive on one, two, three, four games, and we are going to have to count that against them, folks. I mean, we're talking about, you know, who's doing it the most consistently, and your team is still winning without you on the floor, so what does that do for your, like, MVP, you know, race? James Harden's playing every game for the Nets. Damian Lillard's playing every game for the Nets, trying to win, and they're, you know, losing games when they're not having great performances. We just told you James Harden lost when he went 19-4-9, and they have an eight-point loss. Um, you know, Damian Lillard goes 37-8, and trying his best, and that's a six-point loss against the sun so Joel Embiid his supporting cast is kind of winning without him right now and we've got uh 
I mean, it was against the Bulls, the Wizards, the Spurs, and the Knicks, so we're not top-tier teams. So I guess we can't penalize Joel Embiid too much, but he is still missing games, and, you know, we've got to see you out there. I, 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 if you're missing, you know, 10, 20 games in a season, and, you know, another MVP candidate is, you know, playing every single game and still having better stats or the same amount of stats, you know, I've got to give it up for that second person that didn't miss all those games. So I think, unfortunately... I'm going to drop Joel Embiid down a little bit here. We're going to put James Harden to the number one seed here in our MVP race. We're going to go uh, Joel Embiid down to the number two. We're not going to drop him down to the number three just quite yet. Just quite yet. And then we leave Damian Lillard at the number three. So... After our last phase of kind of ranking, we got James Harden at the one, Joel Embiid at the two, Damian Lillard at the three. Now let's just kind of quickly discuss what these players need to do for to secure the MVP at the back half of the season. Now we are going to update this every week on Thursdays to kind of see how they're still doing in the back half of the season because you still have to show up in the back half of the season to, it's not all front loaded for the MVP. I want to see the totality, so you got to close it out. All right, so James Harden, what does he have to do to be MVP? Uh, he has to keep up what he's doing. He's got to average those 11 assists. He, that's what it has to come down to. The points, 25 points, that's what I want to see. I want to see 25, 25, 8, and 11. Nothing can drop below that, and they also kind of need to compete for that number one in the in the East. Honestly, whoever is going to be the number one in the East is really going to come down to James Harden and Joel Embiid, who's going to kind of be the one or the three, depending on what Damian Lillard does at the end of the season. So James Harden needs to keep up those assists, needs to keep up the scoring production, and whenever Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant are not on that uh, starting roster, he needs to elevate his play to really secure a win for the team. So James Harden can, can uh, keep up the number one seed in the MVP. For Joel Embiid, he has to get healthy right now. We got to see him back as fast as possible. He's got to keep it up with the uh, get up to the 30 points a game. Let's try to get over that 29. I think it's like 29.9. I think it's very, very close. Yeah, 29.9. But I want to see 30. We, there's no rounding up here because, you know, if you tell me you put up 29.9 points a game, you put up 29 points a game. You cannot round up in actual game scenarios. So, got to see Joel Embiid get up to that 30 points, keep up the 11 rebounds, maybe get a little bit better on the assists, maybe try to get, try to strive for four. I know he's a big, so that's not really his game. So, we're not going to, you know, kind of use that mark against him. But really got to start being there right now. Got to get back in that starting lineup. Got to start being able to play. And you, once again, you have to compete for that number one seed in the East. You really, whoever comes out number one seed in this East is going to have the advantage in the MVP race. Right now, they're both at 28 wins, 13 losses for the 76ers, 14 losses for the Nets. So the Nets are a half a game back. So really, it's going to come down to who wins this Eastern Conference while keep on putting up these stats. And then for Damian Lillard, uh, his path, he does still have a path here for the MVP. He, now that CJ comes back, we need to start to see this Blazers team winning games consistently now against the better teams. I mean, we just said they only had five quality wins. That's very light. So you're beating kind of, you know, you're kind of favoring to your schedule a little bit against the worse or opponent. So got to start seeing Damian Lillard. Um, Beating the better teams now that CJ McCollum's back. He's still got to be clutch. Still want to see him with these averages. Let's see. He's got to improve on maybe maybe the assists a little bit. Get up to uh, maybe keep the 30 points, but try to get up to that eight assist. Try to rival what James Harden is doing in the assist column with the set with the uh, the eight. Or, never mind. Um, scratch that. James Harden had 11 assists. 
Um, try to get up maybe to five rebounds as well. Try to rival what James Harden is doing with those eight rebounds. Try to get up there as well, maybe five. Don't think he's going to get to six because it's going to be hard to try to do that in the back half of the season. Um, but um, And then still being clutch. And then what he has to do, the bare minimum for Damian Lillard is to get up until the top four. He needs to be at least one of the top four teams here in the West. Um, don't think they're going to be... I mean, if he can rival for the number one seed, absolutely. Try to get as high as you can. But the minimum cutoff for Damian Lillard to be MVP is the number four seed. He cannot be the five. He cannot be anything lower than the five here. Got to be four or higher if we want a legitimate argument. Because we're talking about, you know... Um, James Harden and uh, Joel Embiid rivaling for that number one seed in the East, which they're pretty much going to lock up. I don't really see anybody else. I don't see the Bucs continuing on and having great success here in the back half of the season. They'll still be average, but, uh, I mean, they're 9-1 in their last 10. Don't really see them keeping that up. So, Blazers and Damian Lillard, now that definitely now that CJ McCollum's back, they need to start making their push up to the top four here. So, if you can get in the top four, Keep it up. Still be clutch. Start getting some more quality wins here. We can kind of try to make the argument for Damian Lillard. But as of right now, we got James Harden as the front runner. Joel Embiid slightly behind him. And Damian Lillard ready to move, make that move to the to the number two. If Joel Embiid is still out in the, kind of this entire next week, I'm going to put Damian Lillard up to the number two seed as long as they're winning games. Um, so that's what we've got. Alrighty. That is going to do it for us today. Um... We'll quickly see if anything's breaking. Um, does not appear so. We will be out of here then. <laughs> All right, we're back tomorrow. Um, live noon Eastern, breaking down March Madness, breaking down the NBA, talking about any stories that need to be talked about. So join us live noon Eastern tomorrow. Alrighty, folks, we're out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening.